0: Incredible morning. Um, I am just so blown away uh, and so moved, so moved. This morning we're going to dive into a couple of parables in the kingdom of God, but uh, I don't know how much we're going to get done. I don't know how far we're going to make it through the text. It's only a few verses, but uh, I think the sermon that was. These 10 people's lives is significantly more powerful, better, more articulate than anything I'm going to be able to bring to you in our final moments here together this morning. Uh, if you have a, your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 13, the same chapter that we studied last um, week, uh, but a different parable. Verse 44 says this The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Cool story, bro. Uh The parable is titled the parable of the hidden treasure, but it's almost as if it should be called the parable of the lucky and potentially dishonest man, right? That's what the parable should be called. It seems a bit sneaky to us, right? But in the ancient world, uh, banks were only for the extremely wealthy, Burying your valuables in the ground sounds strange to us, but it was commonplace in the ancient world. Today, we usually put money in a savings or a loan company or a bank. We keep valuables in a safety deposit box. But back in those days, there were no banks available to people for that. So only wealthy folks had access to banks, and they typically weren't safe places to keep your valuables. And so have you ever heard of like, a, like an old person who has a lot of money, but they don't trust banks? Or the government and so they hide it in their mattress. Okay, this is what happened in the ancient world, except for they didn't have mattresses, they buried their valuables in the ground. This was especially true in Palestine because it was a place of frequent warfare, burying their valuables uh, so that enemies wouldn't find it. But if, if the, the person who owned the treasure, who buried the treasure, dies or is shipped off into exile, his treasures are lost forever until someday someone is digging and stumbles upon the treasure. So this was a very common thing that happened in the ancient world. Over the years, the ground of Palestine became a veritable treasure house. When the owner of a buried treasure died or was driven away, it was lost until it was discovered. So Jesus describes in this parable a very common situation. And at first glance, the man of the parable seems very dishonest. Honest behavior would be uh, you go to the owner of the field and go, Hey, man, I was just digging, and I found a treasure in your field. So, like, I just want to let you know if you want to throw me something, that'd be cool. If not, you know, that's okay, too. That would be the honest thing to do, right? Not necessarily, See, Jewish rabbinic law at the time said this, if a man finds scattered fruit or money, it belongs to the finder. So the Jewish rabbis were actually the first to come up with the phrase, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. (laughs) That was the nice, kind, right thing to do. It was yours. It's obvious that the owner of the field had no idea that the treasure was there. Uh... That's obvious. He didn't know it was there. Apparently, it had belonged to the previous owner who had probably died in an accident or in battle, which prevented him from recovering it. So, really, the man who found the treasure was extremely honest. He didn't have to buy the field, it was his right finders, keepers, losers, weepers. But yet, he actually buys the field. In fact, he didn't even use the treasure to provide him enough money to make the purchase. He didn't take a little bit of the treasure and then buy the field from the landowner and then you know, keep the tre- No, 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 no. He used his own personal expense and bought the entire field. The man didn't do anything unethical. But we need to be careful not to lose sight of the main point of the parable, which is this. It'd be easy for us, as the moral of the story, to say the kingdom of God is like a treasure because it's so valuable that we'd give up anything for it. And that is a common way that we interpret this passage, these parables. The kingdom is invaluable. The kingdom of God is like a treasure, but that is actually not what Jesus says here. Jesus doesn't say that the kingdom of God is like a treasure. Jesus says that a man found something so valuable that he sold everything he had to get it. That's what the kingdom of God is like. It says, it doesn't say the kingdom of God is like a treasure. It says the kingdom of God is like a man who, as, while digging, discovers a treasure, buys the field sells everything he owns to get it, to obtain it. What's going on here? A man from Illinois decided to travel to Wisconsin to go duck hunting. And he shot and dropped a bird, fell into a farmer's field on the other side of the fence. And as the flatlander climbed over the fence, a dairy farmer goes up by and goes uh, and says, hey, what's going on here? He goes, well, I shot a duck and, um, and so I'm just going to retrieve it over the fence real fast. And the hunter was pretty mad. He says, you don't come over this fence. Uh, I'll call my Chicago lawyer and sue you. The farmer smiled. He says, you don't know how we settle things here. There's a little disagreement here. The Wisconsin guy, it's my property, it's my duck. And so he says, you don't need to call your lawyer. Let's settle this the old Wisconsin way. I kick you three times in the shin, then you kick me three times in the shin, and we call it a day. And he goes, sounds good. This old guy, I'm going to be able to kick this guy. and It's not going to hurt at all. So the old guy, boom, whack, right in the shin, hard. Next shot, kicks him again hard in the shin. Third one, drops this Chicago guy down to the ground. He's like, okay, my turn. And then the old guy says, nah, you can have the duck. <laughs> now, In that story, we see the surprise, right? We see the subversive moment. We see the twist in the story, and that's how Jesus' parables are. But where in the hidden treasure parable is the surprise? Where is the oh moment? Where is the provocation in the parables of Jesus? Let's read on. The parable of the pearl, the next verses. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Very similar story. Jesus tells stories um, often throughout the Gospels. And these are lumped right next to each other in Matthew 13. The parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price. Here's a man who's now a merchant. The Greek word is emporos. It's where we get the word emporium. And he was a, a merchant, in emporium. Uh, he would he would go and buy and sell things at wholesale and then sell them to another retailer. In the parable, he's looking specifically for beautiful pearls. It was common for entrepreneurs of that day to find pearls and at the same time look for high-quality pearls themselves. Sell them, buy them, make a profit. And in those days, people would invest in pearls. They were the diamonds of the first century. A pearl is the only jewel that cannot be improved by us right a diamond you cut you shape it becomes even more valuable the same is true with all the other jewels but a pearl if you cut a pearl it becomes worthless it's the only jewel that cannot be improved upon by man there's good reason why pearls were so uh valued in the ancient world pearl hunting involved great danger Pearl hunting now isn't as dangerous as it used to be, but back then, they would have a guy in a boat, uh, another guy kind of on the boat as well, then dude would tie a rope around his waist and hold a rock, and then be thrown over the boat and go underwater all the way down to the bottom, look for pearls, and then tug on the rope, and the dude would pull him back up. And you were in danger of drowning, you were in danger of sharks and other wildlife in the ocean. Pearl hunting c- carried with it immense risk. An average of only one oyster in a thousand contains a pearl. One in a thousand. Can you imagine holding your breath? There's no scuba gear. Dude just goes underwater. And go... One in a thousand contains a pearl. You can see why they're so precious. The Jewish Talmud says that pearls are beyond price. The Egyptians actually worshipped the pearl, and the Romans copied that practice. And when women wanted to show off their wealth, they put pearls in their hair. Ancient historian Pliny recounts uh, that Cleopatra wagered her lover, Mark Anthony, that she could consume 10 million uh, sesterces, which is today more than a million dollars, at one banquet. And he said, sure. And so legend tells us that Cleopatra then grabbed a pearl and put it in vinegar and dissolved it and drank it and therefore consumed more than a million dollars in one meal. Pearls were the highest of all ancient jewels. In fact, one cut from a human hand makes it worthless. The Greek word for pearl here is the word margarita, that's not a joke. (laughs) Thank you, seminary. Um, It kind of gives new meaning to the phrase, the pearly gates though. Uh, But even though the pearl has unfathomable value in this parable, the kingdom of God is not likened to a pearl. It says it is like a merchant who is searching for fine pearls. And when he finds one of immense value, he he sells everything to obtain it. Once again, our default is to kind of go, "Well, the kingdom of God is like a treasure. It's valuable. Cool. The kingdom of God's like a pearl. Pearls are expensive and, and have uh, amazing worth. But that's not what the parable's saying. Jesus is actually saying it's like a man who finds treasure, and it's like a merchant who finds a pearl and sells everything to obtain it. Most of us cannot imagine taking this kind of a risk. He sells everything. He is in the pearl trading business, and he gets rid of all of that just to obtain it. It's the equivalent of putting all eggs in one basket, except for you, you could at least have breakfast with that. If you have just this one beautiful pearl, you actually can't do anything with it unless you sell it again. And in the context, there's no hint that he's looking to sell this and make a fortune off of it. He just wants it. He obtains it. In the gaining, he's not only fulfilled a desire he did not know he had, he also has changed his identity. He had been looking for fine pearls, but now he buys just one. By finding the pearl of ultimate worth, the merchant stops being a merchant. Thus, he redefines himself, and he sees himself anew, and we must do the same. What is he? What do we make of this example? How do we locate ourselves in these parables? Um, my son, Dex, is very into Star Wars right now. Uh, he knows all about that world, the Jedi and the Sith Lords. Sarah and I have these apps on our phones that convert our phones into lightsabers, okay? And we do battles, okay? We, we, we get our lightsabers and turn it on, and then we... And we do it all day long, all day long. In the middle of the battle, I'll catch him just like staring at himself like he just thinks he's a Jedi. Like there's like in the oven, you can see his reflection. And so we're fighting and stuff. And then he looks at himself and he's just chum, 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 loves it. He played all day if we're willing to do it. We're not. Um, This past Thursday, I get home from work and I'm pretty tired. First thing I do is I sit on the couch. It's very comfy. Dex grabs my phone. Turns on the lightsaber and goes, "I'm Kylo Ren. I'll show you the dark side." And, and I was, like, "Okay, son, maybe maybe calm down." But he's like, he does a great Yoda too. He says, "Help you, I will." And uh, and so we switch off being good guys and bad guys. And he's like, "Let's let's play. Let's play Star Wars, Dad." And I said, "Oh, son, I have an idea. How about hear me out? You sit on the couch with Dad, and we take a nap." <laughs> And he's like, no, dad, Star Wars, Star Wars. Okay, son, I'll play Star Wars, but let me stay on the couch. And so I feel like that's a fair compromise like for my four-year-old son. And so he gets his phone, I get my phone, I'm sitting on the couch. He's like, no, dad, stand up. But I don't wanna stand up right now, son. And then he says this, but Jesus teaches us to stand up and play Star Wars. (laughs) I go, what did you say? And he goes, Jesus teaches us to stand up and play Star Wars. (laughs) And I go, oh, he does? And he goes, yes, he does. (laughs) And so we played Star Wars. (laughs) Before that moment, I was just halfway in. Uh, I got the best of both worlds. I'm going to placate my son, not really play with my son. But in that moment, encountering the voice of the Lord through my little Yoda, I moved all in. After that moment, I was awakened to something else. I'm his dad. We get to play together. And so we turn on that lightsaber and we're spinning and we're jumping on the ottoman and the couch. And we just had an amazing time. In Jesus' parable, the point is this. The merchant is no longer a merchant. He has opted out of the buying, selling, consuming lifestyle. The issue in the parable isn't about relative value. It's about all or nothing. he, He sells everything to obtain the treasure. He sells everything to obtain the pearl. It's all or nothing. It's not about the value of those. It's about losing it all and gaining even more. That's what baptism is. Baptism is, I'm dying to myself, but I'm getting something more. I am diving in. I'm all in and following Jesus. I found something better than what I was looking for. And I'm changed. Thereby, the parable asks, are we willing to step aside from all we have to obtain what we really want? I want to invite Stephen and the band to come up. And we'll close with a song, When death was arrested. This song that we're going to be singing kind of throughout this season. Are we willing to step aside from all we have obtained, all we have, to obtain the one thing that we truly want, even though we don't know? There's always the next house, there's always the next dollar, there's always the next job. And we pursue these things as if they really bring us value. And Jesus steps in and says, there's something more valuable than that. Opt out of that. Dive all in with me and I'll show you real life, abundant life. The parable consequently asks us if searching for pearls, searching for commodities is worth pursuing, We're continually seeking whether the object is fine pearls or a new job, another degree, or spiritual fulfillment, but each time we find out that our goal is actually uh, dust, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. We go from desire to desire, never permanently being fulfilled, and Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and I offer abundant life in me. It's not about the rat race or the American dream. It's about the kingdom of God and bringing heaven to earth, not escaping this earth and going to heaven, but rather bringing heaven here, bringing light to dark places, bringing love where there's hatred, bringing justice where there's injustice, bringing mercy and compassion where there's disdain and insult. That is our call as followers of Jesus in our world. And it's a much higher calling than the American dream. In fact, it's the greatest treasure we could find. We should sell it all for the real life we find in God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, for your great love, for your great compassion. Thank you, God, that that we, we could run for a thousand years if we knew every step would be getting us closer, that we could swim to the ocean floor because our Lord is the treasure. You're it. You're it. Help us to find real and abundant life in you. And God, as we find life in you, it illuminates others. We begin to actually see our children and be present with our children. We begin to see our enemies in a new way that they're children of God that they're loved by you. It begins to reshape our values and our worldview and shape us into the image of Christ, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself a slave and yet is lifted up. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. God, let us follow you become more Christ-like, not just Christian, but Christ-like, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing about the resurrection together? Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope and no place to begin, Your love made a way to let mercy come in, When death was arrested in my